0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select Campus events, while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200k for one eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically, for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's PACASO.com.
1: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now you can save $50 on Select Battery Tool Sets. Real steel. Offer valid of on Select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He, he knocks it down. Borrow slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh!
0: to sexton is A thunderous gun. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim! Welcome to the Town Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Training camp is just three weeks away. This offseason couldn't be going by any quicker, and nothing says September NBA podcast content quite like a mailbag episode. I want to give a big thanks to everyone that submitted questions for today's podcast, and joining me today to answer those questions is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy?
1: It's going well. Just got done with a little vacation up to the northeast. Celebrated a friend's uh, wedding in Maine. Spent a little time in Boston. Spent a little time in Portland, Maine. So spent a little time in York, Maine. It was Would you beautiful. call him your Maine man? Oh, I I'm hanging up. It's over. <laughs> um, uh, no, it was a great it was a great time. Uh, first uh, vacation with the with the child, who was an absolute uh, rock star. No tears on the plane either way. So I wasn't wow. uh, wasn't that person uh, that everyone. Uh, quietly or sometimes not quietly resents. <laughs> um, that was great. It was still super hard. As pleasant as she was, it was still super hard vacation with a baby. I told Kylie, next one, uh, we're doing like a resort. Pool's going to be the babysitter. Can't wait.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that does sound like a little uh, lower maintenance. <laughs> yeah. If you go so, that route instead. Spe-
1: speaking of uh, going back to the cabs, anyone else forget Lori marketing was on the team because I kind of, like, time froze in space uh, for me while I was gone, and then I came back and I was like, oh, yeah.
0: Carter, you'll be shocked to know that I did not forget, because I've already done the updated rosters in, in 2K. So and you've been playing
1: I, for weeks.
0: And, and I've been putting up some disgusting stat lines that you would find morally offensive.
1: Uh, that sounds correct, given your <laughs> terrible 2K philosophy.
0: You know what? Yeah, I stick with what I know, and I stick with what I like. And, and speaking of terrible, I want to apologize on the front end if my voice sounds a, a little hectic. We had the uh, the Labor Day Classic. Some of the fellas came over for that yesterday. Um, and so and I am everyone still knows recovery. what that is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, no, rival don't, don't
1: need to explain that one. <laughs> Cavs fans know the Labor Day l- 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 Classic. Oh, yeah, they know the uh, the Bomber Rider
0: Labor Day Classic every single year. It bas- Basically, think of them as our Pittsburgh. We had won one game in the last 17 years on Labor Day in Saskatchewan, and we finally won another one. So that was a lot of fun. We, we beat the undefeated team. Now we are first place in the West.
1: I'm really proud of you, and I heard you had a Paxton Lynch sighting. Bronco's we did have a legend.
0: <laughs> Paxton Lynch, third string quarterback for the
1: Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Well, if you don't go to a CFL game to see superstars, what do you what do you go for? <laughs> exactly. It's always funny to see guys trickle
0: in from the NFL and then fail. Uh, it's always interesting to see when that happens. But we should probably get to some of these questions. And I'm going to start off with one that I, I think we're going to have the exact same answer to. But our buddy Joe asked, if we could improve one aspect of Sexton, Garland, and
1: Okoro's games, what would it be if i recall correctly i i only skimmed the discord for these uh because you did all the work which i appreciate but mm-hmm. i i think joe uh just said something along the lines of like if you would improve them as you know individuals and i liked the framing of that question more because it was like i think i think that uh that uh colin could pick up you know crocheting i think he could yeah. I think that would help round him out as an individual. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, let's let's just dive in. I mean, Sexton, I think really, <laughs> it's gonna, and I I, I want to get really granular. Can we agree to get really granular with this? Okay. I know it's a little bit different uh, than what we normally do, uh, where we kind of talk wide angle. But I think granularly for Colin, the one thing I want to see him get better at is attentiveness off ball on
0: defense. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that would make a big difference.
1: Because I I think he can be a pretty good on ball defender when he really wants to, but the attentiveness off ball makes the pair is what makes the pairing untenable defensively. Like the fact yeah. that there, that it's not like if you're gonna run Sex Land as a backcourt, it's important that you're only letting the physicality stuff beat you. Like when because they're already undermanned physically with that backcourt Mm -hmm. defensively. If you add mental lapses to it, it's just brutal. So that that's my that's kind of my call and point of feedback that I like if he can improve that, then everything gets a lot easier. Like they they hurt themselves so often.
0: I think that's a really good call because I, I was going to answer defensive consistency, but I, I think the off-ball struggles are more consistent. Like Even when he has a good defensive game, uh, it's usually him playing good individual defense, good man-to-man defense. Maybe the opposing team isn't running him through a bunch of screens. I, I think of the game against Washington where he did a pretty fantastic job guarding Bradley Beal. Um and those are the moments that that really stand out for me, where he's actually asserted himself. He looks confident defensively, He's making an impact. And in a lot of close games, he'll make plays. he'll He'll make high impact defensive plays. And I I would like to see that more consistently, but I I think if we're going kind of granular, as you said, and and zeroing in on one thing, it's the off-ball consistency. I I think if he showed more attentiveness off-ball, it would really, really help him be more effective because the rest I feel pretty confident in, right? Like, you you see him working on his pull-up this off-season. He's always come back a, a little bit better. His passing has got better steadily. There's been improvement on defense, but there hasn't been a leap on that end. And I I think that sort of leap would make him like one of those kind of no doubt all-star caliber players if he were to add that to his game. Cool.
1: I I completely agree. You want to take Garland next since I went first last time?
0: Pull up threes. I, I I want pull up. Threes. I'm glad you like, took
1: the easy answer, so I could take a less easy answer. Yeah, uh,
0: I'm I'm you know path of least resistance as I am uh, battling from yesterday, but yeah, it, I I think the pull up threes would open up almost every other aspect of his game, so uh, I'll I'll take the easy one there.
1: Yeah, I mean, duh, take more. <laughs> I think we all know it. I think Darius should know it by now. Um, yeah, I think the coaching staff knows it and has said it. Uh, the three point pull up volume is the the primary differentiator between him being a pretty damn good point guard and an elite point guard i really mm-hmm. do believe that um if i was going to go a little bit more granular though um i would say it's interior to exterior passing um that's really that's the a one, good one that's one of the weaknesses in his game right now he's really crafty as an interior passer feeding bigs feeding cutters um but because of his frame and uh, you know, Jackson Frank, when he did that kind of big garland profile last year, spotlighted this is, you know, he sometimes struggles to get enough oomph on his passes back out. And as much as people want to gripe about the three point, uh, shooting that has been put around, uh, Cleveland, uh, neither of their guards are particularly adept at getting the ball out to those shooters. You, you cut out for me. You froze. Okay. Um, Oh. He froze
0: at the Jackson Frank part.
1: Okay. Uh, I think I've stabilized, so I'm going to pick up uh, at the beginning of that sentence. Okay. In Jackson Frank's uh, profile on Garland last year, he spotlighted this. He he kind of mentioned that you know Darius is a very good interior passer, but when he tries to get the ball out, uh, he he kind of struggles to put enough oomph on it. You know the mm-hmm. the 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 interior passing is good, and his frame kind of limits how much zip he can put on those ex- on those passes back out to the perimeter. And as much as people dog the shooting that have been put around the team and uh, have kind of uh, criticized the roster construction, I think one of the biggest problems is neither of their guards are that good at kicking it out to shooters. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I would say
0: Sexton does a better job than Garland in, in that one area of passing. Like it, he at least kind of recognizes those drive and kick opportunities. And that's one thing that I, I really think adding Larry Markkinen will help with is you now have a guy that's going to find those passing lanes. He's, he's going to move around on the perimeter. He's very active and, and, and those by the opportunities way, are going to be there for those guys to kick it out to him.
1: And by the way, can get the get a shot off with a little more or a little less airspace. So if yeah. Darius does struggle to get it out there with enough zip, you know, that's the thing is sometimes he'll make the right pass and get it to the guy, but it's not perfectly on target or it is a doesn't have enough zip on it. So the defender is able to close out. Um, but I, I think that's Darius is kind of, that's a, that's kind of a niche point of improvement for Darius, but as he keeps developing his body, um, uh, making sure that he's able to generate those angles and put enough, heat on the passes to actually generate good looks, I think is a big big part of raising the Cavs offensive ceiling. Yeah, I, I totally
0: agree. Where are you at with uh Okoro is I feel like there's the obvious one there as well.
1: Yeah, man. It's like I, I kind of get the impression he did work on his craft a little bit, attacking the basket. Um yeah. so I think I'm going back to shooting. I, I think it's catch and shoot, shoot uh threes. Uh even just the corner three. I think that's mm-hmm. a good place to start. Um You know, they've got uh, in a guy like Laurie and a guy like uh, Mobley who seem to prefer above the break threes right now. Um, They've got people who are going to fill that above the break space along with Sexton and Garland. So, like, listen, if all he does is plant himself in the corner and turn himself into a good three-point shooter, that's a—from those those two spots, that's a huge jump from what they had last year. Yeah. And— if he's shooting with with confidence, not just taking the uber wide open ones, that's an even bigger jump. So that that it's a simple answer. It's maybe not as um as niche as the other two I gave, but that's it's hard to say anything other than that.
0: Yeah, I, I mean we we've talked about how we wanted to see his ball handling improve, and I, I think there were signs of that in summer league. But the obvious thing, and the thing that would really help, kind of. Better utilize the the Mobley and Allen pairing, or or a lot of other lineups that the Cats want to use this season is if he can knock down those catch and shoot threes. So I, I think that one is pretty clear and easy. Uh, King of Clee asks how much time we would like to see Darius Garland play with rookie Rubio this year.
1: Rookie Rubio, Ricky Rubio. Um, <laughs> I that's not a pairing I'm terribly interested in, to be honest. I think that. Um, really every minute Darius sits Ricky should be playing Mm -hmm. um and as such like that's what I'm more interested in I'm interested in having the offense be orchestrated um at 48 minutes a game um and like to that extent like I'm never gonna want to play them together so much that I sacrifice that so sure it'll be fun to see you know Darius get to play a little bit off ball um play next to a true point guard that can feed him for open looks, hitting him in semi-transition, things like that. It'll be, I think it's a fine pairing, but it's not the pairing that I I really am desperate to see because really I'm much more interested in what Rubio does with Darius off the floor.
0: Yep, uh, and I'm going to go way more specific and say nine minutes per game because I, I think what you said is accurate. If we're assuming Garland's playing 32 minutes, that means Rubio's going to play 16 without him likely with Colin Sexton in that time. But Rubio is going to play about 25 minutes a night. I, I think he's going to be firmly in kind of a, a sixth man uh, six-seventh-man role for the Cavs. And he's going to play a lot of minutes. So there are going to be those opportunities, assuming he is playing 25, that would leave him with nine with Garland. And, and it's really, I, I don't think Garland would necessarily be the shooting guard, quote-unquote, in those lineups. I think they would take time, uh, take turns, initiating the offense. It's a 2 point guard look but i i do think it would be really nice to have garland get someone have someone feed him easy looks have him come off of screens work on his off ball game because no, no matter what uh the calves ultimately become a, as they continue to grow together garland learning how to play off ball is going to be important especially when you have mobley you, you Sexton's improving as a ball handler. Coral's trying to add that to his game. Uh, Garland being able to move around off ball and really kind of capitalize on, on those opportunities, I think it is a great way for him to raise his offensive ceiling.
1: For sure. And, you know, the thing is they're going to have to play those two together. And given what they've got at the backup two right now, it's probably the best option um, mm-hmm. to play Ricky at the two. Uh, the one thing I'll say is it, it should be pretty matchup dependent because like I think you lose a lot of what makes Ricky Rubio a great defender putting him on twos. I think he is a, a a great defender of point guards. Yeah. Um so you know, I would love, you know, when you're playing a team that's running like a Reggie Bullock or a Danny Green at the 2 where you can kind of stash Darius over there and mm-hmm. keep Ricky at the point of attack. I think that's really where that pairing's going to thrive on that end of the floor.
0: And, and he uh, guarded twos a fair amount actually last season. I think thirty five percent.
1: Yeah, I just don't uh, like it as much, frankly. Like, I, I, oh no, I'm, I'm talking about Garland. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Garland. Because yeah. you know they'll they'll put kind of the I, I think the Okoro guard best player uh, uh, <laughs> standard operating procedure put Darius and Colin kind of all over the place on the court uh, yep. last year. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. I, I think it's a fine pairing. Uh, it's not a pairing. I'm like, oh, can't wait for that because I do think that the value Ricky adds is is on the other margins of the floor. But it's it, I'm certainly you know interested to see how it works.
0: Yeah, I, I am as well. And uh, I, I really do think Ru- Rubio is going to bring a lot to this team. And Corey asks, Will Rubio be our most impactful offseason addition for this upcoming season over Mobley and Markkanen?
1: Um, certainly over Mobley, I don't think over Markkinen, Um, because here's the thing, Rubio is a great organizer of the offense, but it's not like he is without flaws, I mean, there's a reason he's a backup mm-hmm. Um, at this point in his career, and it's because he can't finish and he can't really shoot, Um, obviously the shooting's come and gone at, at points, but um, there are things he limits you uh, with offensively, whereas Laurie, on offense, should be a straight up floor raiser like yeah a guy who just generates open you know generates a high volume of three point attempts um has a significant amount of gravity that allows guys like isaac uh or colin to cut through and get get easy buckets uh makes makes uh jarrett and evan have an easier time as a lob threat Mm -hmm. um i just think across the board he's just the kind of guy who uh is a little more than the sum of his parts on offense um at least from a a role perspective, whereas Rubio sometimes is a weird mix of more than you'd expect and less than you'd expect, you know? Right. Um, Where, you know, if Rubio's off ball, he's probably not helping your offense that much. And uh, Laurie kind of should be helpful offensively pretty much every time he's on the floor, unless the Cavs have made a pretty big mistake in trading for him. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I think that's kind of like, it's kind of a, a pretty clear duality. If he's not helpful just by being out there, than rut row but uh, i don't expect that to be the case
0: i appreciate you answering Corey's actual question cuz i said off season instead of offensive edition
1: um, so it, it... Oh, i read the, i i read the I read the, the 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 our rundown, so yeah, everyone's <laughs> going to be really confused when I answer that. I,
0: and I was like, maybe I should let him sit with it, where he answered the question properly, but he didn't answer my question. So you would just look foolish. But you know what? I'll own up to it. I, That's I, fine. I do
1: think I think Ricky. I, if if to answer your actual question that you asked me, I think yeah. Ricky might be more impactful just because of how bad the backup one and two minutes were last year.
0: Yeah, and the funny thing is there seems to be there's this narrative around rubio that he's going to miss a ton of time that that he's always kind of been injury prone and that was certainly true earlier in his career but you look at the past like 7 years and he basically never misses more than like 5 or 6 games he he's active for almost every single game and if he's that level of reliable, that's a massive addition. Like, that, that is going to be really, really impactful for the Cavs just because of how dramatic that drop-off was and how much easier he's going to make things for Sexton, how much he's going to help the second unit, uh, which was one of the areas where the Cavs really gave up a lot of ground last year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what those on-off splits look like, especially with for someone like Sexton, who has really kind of struggled in that area historically but now has— a more solid foundation when you talk about Rubio running that backup point guard position. But I will say Markkanen will be the most impactful offensive addition uh, for this upcoming season. Because you look at what a difference Kevin Love made last year in the very brief stint that he was playing. And he wasn't even playing well. But it made such a big difference, and Markkinen at this point of his career and their careers is the better offensive player and should really help unlock a lot of things. So from a purely offensive perspective, uh, I think Larry Markkinen's the answer. Now, our guy Hiram asks, do we think Lamar Stevens is going to take over Larry's role, and how effective do we think he will be?
1: This is one of those ones where my first instinct was to say, no, he will not do that. Um Mm -hmm. and he's not gonna play, uh. So you know, cool your jets. And then I kind of thought about it more, and then I thought about the way we talked about it. How you know maybe Jetty and Dylan Windler are kind of disappointing at the three this year, not not delivering what you what you'd hope for. And then you go, hmm. Well, Larry did get press ganged into playing some three last year. Lamar is actually a much more natural three on defense than Larry ever was. Yeah, Uh, and then you go. I can see a path for this, uh, especially with the additions of Laurie, where you have an elite shooter at the four, and Mobley, who is a budding shooter, who might be playing some backup five minutes, and all of a sudden you go, hmm, I think I see a roadmap to Lamar Stevens getting a lot of minutes at the three. Now, I don't see a roadmap to him getting very many minutes at the four. I just think it's too, uh, barring a Kevin Love buyout, um, it just seems like there's not enough room right now. But I, I see a it's not impossible to see a roadmap for Larry and or for Lamar in the rotation replacing Larry, though it's not a guarantee by any means. What do you think about that answer?
0: That was a thoughtful answer. I hadn't thought about that. I, I think there's maybe a path to him replacing those minutes at the three. Um, you've kind of opened my eyes to that. But what I would say is Evan Mobley is the one that's really replacing Larry's that's role a good point. from last year. Uh, I feel like Mobley is the Nance replacement while Laurie is basically replacing Love which is awkward of course because he, he's still here but that theoretical role <laughs> that, that theoretical role that Kevin Love would play um, with the young core is what Lori Markkinen is going to be bringing to the table so I, I think that is kind of going to be that dynamic where uh, those playmaking minutes at the four that's going to be something Mobley will bring to the table he, he's going to be that defensive guy that, that can either or switch or, or uh, play some drop coverage and, and uh, play alongside Jared Allen. So I, I think he, that's going to be his role next year. What, what do you make of some of the people kind of downplaying expectations now with Mobley based on, I guess, his finishing in summer league? I, I'm, I'm finding it to be a little bit weird.
1: Um, I don't know. I, I think he's going to take a minute. Um, I think he'll benefit from legitimate guard play. Mm-hmm. Um. From you know, getting going from hands to Rubio and Garland at the point guard is a pretty big upgrade. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, like, I don't know, I'm not expecting like 20 points a game or anything like that. So like, you know, I, I think that, you know, like what, like what's the stat line for him that feels right. I know we're moving out of mailbag territory yeah. here a bit, but like what, like what is a, what is kind of what's if, if you had to just pick his the stats, he slash points, rebounds, assists, what is it? seven and four
0: I'd be thrilled I'd be pretty thrilled with that if that's what he was bringing to the table like I I the thing I that think the, gets... the, the,
1: the path to him taking getting 10 to 12 points a game his rookie year which might be a little disappointing uh for some is pretty clear you know if, if the jumper isn't coming along and the spacings a little more cramped like let's say Isaac's jumper hasn't progressed the way we wanted to. Like, I don't know, man, I can, I, like, I, while I'm not necessarily downplaying Mobley, I see the range of outcomes where the people who are downplaying him and, like, saying, hey, he's going to be a bit more of a project, like, I see that range of outcome happening not terribly unfeasibly, yet, I guess. I know that's I know it's a bit of a wishy-washy answer, but, like, yeah, I Yeah, that's
0: wishy-washy as hell.
1: I'm sorry, I just, that's the way I see it. I feel like he could either immediately click with these guards and... And kind of be an absolute terror, or the 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 touch and the fit, the strength, um, and the jumper are just you know a year away, and he we go ah well he's a bit of a project on that end. Mm-hmm. The the thing that gets me so with Summer
0: League, I feel like he did everything well but finished. Like the the passing was a little better than
1: we expected. The the ball handling looked good. Uh, I didn't see the ball handling look that good. I thought it looked pretty good. I, 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 th- I think I think that when guys got into his grill, he picked up the ball. I, I think I think that his 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 handle. I'm probably in transition thinking more open floor. I was open thinking floor, more open he floor. He looks very in control. When people get up in his chest, he he stops it down, and that's fine. Like he's a seven footer, and that part of his game is going to need to come. But like again, I just think he is a bit. He has stuff on his game in his game right now that could very clearly lead to a rough offensive season mm-hmm. uh where you go yep uh we still love him but he has some stuff to work on that's all i'm saying i i, also I see think, the, i think uh, the, the other outcome is... where he just eats on wide open lobs and ins and and interior passing like there, there there's a there's a, a lot of roads up the mountain here yeah i,
0: I think the finishing is going to be inconsistent at, at times it, it's going to come and go but I think his overall impact is going to be meaningful. Like I, I think he is going to be a plus player as a rookie, and it's just a matter of how inconsistent are those offensive flashes. Are they able to kind of optimize them? Like those easy buckets that they can get him, I, I think those are going to be there frequently. It's going to be okay when he does try to expand his game when he is taking pull ups when he's doing other things. Is the ball going down, and I, I think that is going to vary on a night-to-night basis. But yeah, that that was just something I I, I was kind of it was sticking in my craw a little bit because uh, I've seen a lot of people kind of reacting to the changing of expectations. And
1: I a... I just think people are protecting themselves, and I I, I think get so it. too. I, I think it's uh, emotional I it. hedging. I think uh, it's maybe emotional it, maybe hedging. it is, but also it's not illogical emotional hedging. So I'm not I'm not too pressed about this one, Justin.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, Lexapro on Twitter asks, at this point in the offseason, what is your take on signing another wing? Is the addition of a guy like Denzel Valentine or Garrison Matthews worth signing, or would you rather rock with Jetty and Dylan?
1: I, would, I, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. If you got a roster spot to, to burn, you should burn it on another wing.
0: i got to be honest, Denzel Valentine does very little for me.
1: Sure, I I think Bulls fans would tell you the same thing. Um, But you know, like when you're signing people for the minimum, what you're doing is you're hoping that something clicks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Garrison Matthews seems like an interesting hypothetical person. Chandler Hutchinson, you just got cut by the Spurs. An interesting hypothetical something. I don't think that you sign. There is a single player you can sign for the minimum that you go. They will definitely be getting minutes above Jetty and Dylan.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, No, like but but what you do is you
1: add. You add the body, and yeah. you let the, those bodies fight it out. Um, there's there's a lot of upside to doing that because maybe Denzel Valentine, who spent his entire career in a weird place in Chicago, maybe the three-point jumper gets there. He settles in as a solid defender, and he just plays his role, which he had a hard time doing when you're a first-round pick. Like Sometimes different locations go a long way for people. Garrison mm-hmm. Matthews had a pretty nice year last year as, as a kind of a shooting specialist. Maybe maybe he fits really well with what this Cavs team needs. He might not. They might not do that. But mm-hmm. the point is you you at least spend the roster capital on a position of weakness to give yourself the highest chance of finding someone who can give it give you something on a given night. And yeah. it might end up being Jetty. But you know, what if Jetty starts out the year hot and give earns all the minutes and then craters in the back half of the year and you go oh well let's we're gonna have to give dylan some minutes or hey we're gonna have to give garrison some minutes and -hmm. you want to at least have the optionality to give those guys minutes that are already in your system that know the place that like that's why you spend the the roster capital i really do think that you know if, if there hasn't been a trade found by camp it's time to bring one of these folks in because um, it's clear, you know, at least by the reporting that they that a trade is not out of the out of the uh, you know out of the option book right now. Like a mm-hmm. you know a, a guy like Terrence Ross, uh, obviously, is someone we're both pretty interested in. Yeah, but if you're not going to get one of those kinds of guys, then yeah, you absolutely should sign another wing, even if you're not. You don't promise them minutes. But you should at least sign them. Yeah. No, I I totally
0: agree. Like ha- having that competition. As it currently stands, if there isn't a trade, there is no one guy that I think can just firmly claim all those minutes. That the three one O Coro isn't playing there. Like it's going to be a competition. It's going. Guys are going to get different looks. Uh, Dylan Windler had moments last year where he looked like a, a pretty solid rotation player he I'm expecting him to get some opportunities there but yeah bringing in someone like Garrison Matthews to give you another option uh, is something that makes sense to me like I, I think that would absolutely be worthwhile Valentine I just don't have as much interest like I, I'd rather have someone like Matthews who maybe He's doesn't got a little have a
1: mystery box element there.
0: Well, it's not that. It's actually the opposite. I I think Denzel Valentine, you're hoping, okay, maybe we can unlock a little bit of upside. Maybe he'll settle into a role and whatnot. I'd rather take someone like Matthews who knows what his role is. I feel like that's more important when you're trying to develop the the six young players that the Cavs have now, right? Like, it's I, I just want guys that know their role stick to it and there's not a whole lot of surprises they're they're not going to try to do anything that's outside of their
1: wheelhouse i i I
0: want that stability when it comes to the rest of the rotation
1: yeah again i i i don't think that there's a person that could sign at the wing that would engender a really angry reaction from me (laughs) i just think this is a this should be your 14th, 15th man and maybe if they get better then cool like, speaking I of
0: which, speaking yeah. of which, Taco Fall.
1: Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, guys, it's just a, it's just a camp invite. <laughs> 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 breathe, breathe, everybody. It's, it... it's a non guaranteed was... deal. It's fine. <laughs> I I really enjoyed it,
0: especially because like hey. the it, funny it... thing is, for all the seven footers the Cavs have. It's basically Allen and Fiondu as the only, like, actual centers on the roster, which is kind of mind-boggling to think of.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he he takes Camus out of these minutes, then cool. You know, whatever. I still think...
0: I think he's going to play with the charge. I I think that's the most likely way. But, you know what? Whatever. Take a a Cam Flyer. That's the exact type of guy you should take a Cam Flyer on, especially when he has
1: a reputation of being
0: just... An good awesome vibes, guy. teammate yeah
1: good vibes guys go a long way um uh you know it, would i like hartenstein back sure it seems like that ship has sailed barring a kevin love buyout where you actually need an extra because like if they buy out kevin love they're short a, a big in my opinion yeah. that that they really can count on that can play some five minutes that, that um, can
0: absorb like th- 13 minutes a game
1: yeah i mean like dean wade can kind of do it if you if you shift mobley up Lamar can do it if you shift Mobley up, but like you would like one more five, I think. Mm-hmm. But in the interim, you know, I, I, I I'm hard I'm having a hard time talking about Taco Fall, to be honest.
0: I want to give a shout out to one of our followers on Twitter, guy that's been supporting the pod for a lot, Bron said uh Braun Jetty. Uh, on Twitter, one of our Brazilian fans, uh, the, the Brazilian support for the chase down is awesome. Like there's it's a huge, just, there is a section of Cavs fans there that are, are just phenomenal. So I, I wanted to take a moment to shout them out. Uh, but Bron Jetty asks, what will be the biggest factor for a strong Cavs jump and play in hope? What do you think would be the one factor that would make the biggest difference as the Cavs
1: shoot for the plan? Who, um, I think it is the Mobley Allen pairing working right away. I think that if it is a struggle with those two to, um, for the Cavs to win in the minutes they're playing together early on, mm-hmm. um, then they're going to have a hard time winning enough games to get to the play in. I think if those two go, if, if, if it makes sense right away and those two, are wiping out teams on defense and assaulting the rim and transition and on lobs and uh, with you know beautiful interior passing on offense. Then okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, I think that because if it doesn't work, then uh oh, because those guys are going to have to play a lot of minutes together right now, mm-hmm. as it currently stands. So that that's where I go. Where do you go? I'm going to uh, bring out reckless Justin here, Carter.
0: Oh it, it's coming. It's Darius Garland, and it's Garland taking the leap. I don't think Darius Garland has made a leap yet in his career. I think Darius just got healthy, and that's who he was. And last year was him just being healthy. If Darius Garland takes a leap next season, we have seen what a good guard can do to raise your floor in the end. Sure, I mean, I
1: don't, I don't think this is as reckless as you as your. I think well, it is. I, I think
0: the reckless part is me saying that he hasn't made a leap yet, and it's coming next season. That that is me getting reckless because I, I think Darius is really going to have a monster monster season breakout all-star conversation type season uh especially coming off team usa the way that he's been putting in work actually frankly the way that the calves young guys have been putting in work and, and being around the team all offseason is something that's really cool to see I, I love that they're working on developing that chemistry and whatnot this early on because I, I think that's going to be a seems big like it's a team there.
1: of dudes that are sick of losing
0: They're they're sick of losing and they seem to like playing together, which, which, like, that's the stuff that people will roll their eyes at, but it gets me fired up. I I think Darius making the leap where, let's say, he goes to like that 23 and 8 type season where he's just making everybody better. We've seen him become a very effective scorer at times. Uh, even with limited spacing. So if he's doing that sort of thing, I think it makes everybody else's lives easier. And I, I'm saying that while also in some ways taking for granted what Colin Sexton brings to the table, because I'm just counting on Sexton to improve from last season or to to just be a more refined version of what he brought last year at the very least. Yeah, so it's if, funny. Garland, I... makes, if uh... Garland makes that leap, I think those two together, the the Sexland backcourt, has enough firepower to actually get this team into that playing conversation.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, you mentioned the Sexton thing in there. Our, our dear friend Iram always talking about how he's just going to add another four points per game every every off until he's scoring fifty a game. And you know, that's not how it typically works. Uh, it really is typically you hit these numbers and then you get good at actually helping your team win. If you're yeah. going to keep growing. And I think that's the much more reasonable goal for sex. I don't think you should hope for more points or more assists. Yeah. I think you should just hope for better at basketball. Um, yeah. uh, and, and Darius is the one where you could see a big statistical jump.
0: Yeah. And, and if, if, the jump comes with Darius. I think it makes absolutely everything easier for everybody else. So that's sure. why I, I feel like that is the clearest path for, for Garland to become one of those household names and one of those bankable stars that you know gets you into that playing conversation. So to me, that that is by far the clearest path. But circling back to the conversation about the backup small forward position, uh, V 6 asks, our thoughts on Dean Wade playing min- minutes at the backup three?
1: I like him much more than Kev V5. Uh, I think that Wade (laughs) makes sense eating some backup three minutes, but it's not what you want. It's just not what you want. I think what you want is Dylan and Jetty to be better than that guy because they're actually twos and threes. Um, Like I think as good as Wade has been for them and was last year, he's not a three. He's just not. And, you know, uh, that's not his game. That's not where he's going to excel. He's going to excel in pulling bigs away from the basket. Yep. So, um, you know, I it's fine. I, I'll bet he has to play some minutes there this year. Is it what Kobe Altman and JB Bickerstaff should aim to do? No, it shouldn't yeah. be. And honestly, even Lamar makes more sense to me in that context because Lamar is at least physically built more like a three like lamar was clearly kind of a college three and then in the nba it was like well you got to shoot in the nba to be a three so you are a four now
0: if you're talking about playing with mobley and allen would you rather have laurie play some minutes at the three or dean
1: with mobley and allen a uh, dean uh uh dean, I, I think probably. so too because i dean think so can, too dean can move his feet but it's not none of this is ideal you know they and they should know that 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 should not be plan A. I hope it's not because yeah. that tells me that they really don't believe in those two on the wing uh, to, to spot Isaac any minutes at all. And that they've got a big, big hole to fill in this roster, which is not what you want in a year where you're trying to actually start to win some games. Which, again, whether you think they should or not seems to be every, uh, every bit of messaging from the team is like, hey, we're trying to make the plan. Yeah, we're
0: we're trying to be competitive. The, these guys need to to start winning. Like that's uh, it's a pretty damn important thing when you're talking about the team building process. Uh, our friend Billy asks, how much would a theoretical uh, theoretical Dylan Windler raise the floor for the Cavs? So basically, what we expected Winler to be in, and, and what we saw in some brief flashes, but the the kind of ball mover three and D smart player what what would dylan windler kind of reaching his potential mean for the Cavs?
1: yeah um i think he would be insane i mean that's i mean he is the theoretical dylan windler is what the team needs uh but by you know like in every way uh i think that he is the kind of player who has gravity who can shoot off the move Remember how excited we were getting when oh, Wheeler yeah. I mean, was
0: doing the right things? Like the, I the mean, last that, that month, February, that,
1: that February, which is really his best month. Um, mm-hmm. He, uh, he slashed. It was hold on 45 from the field, 36, uh, 37 from three um, average seven and five. It's not like he has yep. crazy numbers, but he really helped the offense just by being out there. Uh, he was a, a really smart cutter. He leveraged his shooting gravity for, for easy buckets on the inside. He was um, a glue guy. He was a glue guy. I thought he was an okay playmaker. I thought defensively he showed a lot. Um, so it's not like there's no proof of concept for theoretical Wendler. And this is a guy that, you know, that role is really what the Cavs, you know, that some wanted the Cavs to pay up big for Duncan Robinson just to, to to you know, get a supercharged version of theoretical Dylan Wendler.
0: Um, By the way, his uh, numbers are better than Duncan at that age.
1: Yeah, enough. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so I am not ruling it out. I mean, he might just be messed up from that. You know, the injuries might just keep piling up, and we might not get to see the kind of player we we hope to see from him. But I'm going to hold out some degree of hope. Uh, there is a, a path to that guy being an everyday player for, the, for this team uh, and being really, really helpful because his – skill set is sorely needed on this on this team
0: yeah like you can understand exactly what they were thinking picking him because he makes a a ton of sense and it's just so unfortunate that a guy that never really had any injury history prior to being drafted just had everything go sideways. So I, I hope he can get on track because he really does bring the exact skill set that the Cavs need from that, that small forward position, though that backup three position. So he would really raise the floor if he was able to stay on the floor. And I, I think that's the biggest thing is can he stay healthy? Because if he can, I... I I have some level of confidence that he's going to be a contributor in those minutes. So, uh, fingers crossed for that. Uh, DH asks what two man big combo do you think leads the team in minutes? And I, I thought this was a fantastic question because I, I'm not a hundred percent sure how I
1: feel about it. Where are you at? So I think we should split this into will and should. <laughs> okay. Um, I think Mobley Allen will lead the team in minutes. I think JB likes riding, riding his kids. Um, Which is funny because that was not his reputation in Memphis. Um, Mm -hmm. But Isaac played a ton of heavy minutes last year, uh, even when it wasn't super helpful (laughs) minutes. Um, I think they, I think the team is invested in Mobley in a pretty major way and letting him kind of ride through some bumps. Um, I think they're very invested in Jarrett and those, and I think as a result, those two are just gonna lead the lead. That's gonna be the top pairing, but I think it will be close with uh, Lori uh, Jarrett. Uh, I, think I think it's gonna be super close as well. Because honestly, I think... among all three pairings, I think it'll be not m- wildly far. For, I think all three of them will play like about you know twenty four uh, or uh, you know whatever forty eight divided by three is. Is kind of close to be where it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it will be Mobley Allen. I think it should probably be Laurie uh, Allen uh, until Mobley, unless Mobley really jumps off the screen right away. Yeah. Um. But what where, what where, where do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's probably going to be Mobley and Allen. Um, it's going to be super close because I I think from a big man position, it should be very similar to what we talked about with Garland and Rubio, where one of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley is on the floor at all times for the Cavs. And Lori's just going to split his minutes between the two, or maybe you see Kevin Love play, uh, whatever 15 minutes a, a night as the fourth big, uh, maybe he's doing that w- with Mobley as well. Um, but I, I think Lori's going to split his minutes between the two. Maybe Allen and-, and Mobley are only going to play 12 minutes a game together. Assuming uh, that Mobley's essentially playing those backup five minutes as well, which maybe you can get away with if it is with Laurie Markinen, who's another seven footer, uh, that can maybe take a little bit of the bruising inside uh, for him, e- even though that's not, <laughs> not necessarily a lot of to game. support that. <laughs> I, I, I understand case. that, but I, that's why I'm saying it would happen with the second unit, because really, how many second units have a guy that's going to do that? It's like maybe Philly with Andre Drummond. Yeah. And no, you. I- and and at that point you just have to deny him the offensive rebounds and you should be okay. Um, but yeah, like it might be 12 minutes a night that leads the team uh, when it comes to big man pairings. Cause I, I just think with the talent that they have and, and also just whoever is earning it on a night to night basis, I, I think it's going to vary wildly and, and it's all going to be split pretty evenly down the middle.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it's that far off. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately. Uh, I think that they like because of the fact the way they've built this roster, they almost have to play all three pairings pretty even if they're going to give those three, you know, the twenty to thirty minutes a game they need. Yeah, I, I I completely agree.
0: Um, Mason asks, should Okoro be in bench lineups with ball handling or have plays drawn up for him, if reps such as what he had in, in Summer League where he's kind of initiating the offense? Do you think he showed enough in Summer League to justify some of those reps, or would you still like to see him kind of primarily playing off ball and a secondary initiator?
1: I think secondary initiator, I think if, if you're a good, if you're, I think he showed enough to be a pretty good, Pretty good primary initiator in summer league, at least as a scorer. But that, when put onto the NBA curve, says, oh, now you should you should be a capable secondary attacker mm. in the NBA. And I think that's really where he's going to be best used as a player right now. Now, I think that if he continues to grow and continues to show more, then sure, keep giving him, keep escalating. But there's no reason to force it right now. If this team... This team actually is pretty, pretty long on people who can dribble and shoot Mm -hmm. um, at this point, or at least initiate offense. So like, why force him to run 20 pick and rolls a game as the backup lead, you know, as the lead backup initiator? I don't, I don't see the point. I see, I think him developing elsewhere is more meaningful right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And kind of, yeah, so I'm just not in any hurry to do it. I'm curious what you think. Yeah,
0: me too. Especially when you are bringing in a veteran like Rubio, like he he is one of the better backup point guards in in the NBA. Uh, I, I think you want to utilize that. And as important as those reps are for his development, I don't I don't see anything wrong with the ball swinging around, and then maybe Okoro runs a side pick and roll, or, or sure. he does kind of those secondary actions where maybe he he can show it a little bit. But yeah, you literally sign Rubio to not make Okoro have to bring the ball up right as as well as sexton right like Same. It's, yeah. yeah it's uh you're simplifying things for them and you have to find that balance and that's going to be one of the biggest storylines next season finding that balance of developmental reps while still trying to win the game and a lot of the time like if you are having a bring the ball up you're going to have growing pains you're going to have a lot of mistakes And when your margin for error is thin next season, which it's going to be in a very competitive Eastern Conference, you have to be really smart when you are giving those developmental reps and when you're looking to build out other things. Now, maybe if it is a lost cause game where just they didn't have it that night and you're maybe looking to rest Rubio and Garland's out of the game. Yeah, sure. You, you can give Okoro some of those reps, see what happens there. Uh, but when you're talking about competitive games uh, where you have your full roster and you're not trying to make do or overcome some injuries, uh, I, I'd rather see him limited to that secondary initiator role.
1: I, I agree. I agree. Uh, and that's fine. I don't think that's limiting him at all. And what's nice about when players do take leaps is they kind of force it (laughs) most of the time. Like, like, like JB won't be seeing Isaac absolutely cooking people and go, but we have Rubio. (laughs) Like, like, like if he's good enough to earn it, he'll kind of start taking it. That's the nice thing about wings. Like they just kind of get the ball. And, And ultimately,
0: like we can sit here and prognosticate and Think about, okay, this is how I see them being used, and and this is what the minutes might look like. But at the end of the day, it's going to be whoever's being the most effective on a night-to-night basis. Uh, Some nights, guys are going to have it. Some nights, they're not. Uh, JB has shown he's willing to ride a hot hand. He's willing to bench anybody. Um, There were games last season, even with the injuries, where... Uh, pretty much every single core player got benched at one point or another. So I, I expect that again next season. And I, I think it's a healthy environment because there's going to be more than enough reps for everybody. It's just going to be whoever is capitalizing on them. Uh, although, as I say that, I get to our final question, which I will combine the questions from Sense and Marcus Teston. What is Kevin Love's best role on this team, assuming that there's not a buyout? And what are, what are some realistic endings for his situation in Cleveland?
1: Um let's I think the best case scenario for Kevin is he becomes that super sub. Uh someone who who comes in for fifteen to twenty five minutes a game depending on how well he's playing. Mm-hmm. Um and absolutely lights it up off the bench. Which not that crazy by the way. Like, I mean he had a game where he dropped like thirty and thirteen on the Celtics to end to end the year. Um he's still pretty good when he's healthy. Um yeah. I'm hoping that he gets healthy. Um, you there, know, he, I,
0: I see people the, assuming it's similar to what happened with Blake Griffin, where I, I think the, the assumption with Griffin was that he was dogging it in Detroit. If that was the case...
1: I the don't Olympic think would, thing wouldn't have happened
0: the the Olympic thing wouldn't have made any sense right like I I think even last season like why would last season be the year that Kevin Love is just deciding not to play They were actually competitive it, it, they really could have used him early in the year they were basically in playoff seating for a little while that wouldn't have been the time that that would have occurred so no for for me Kevin Love being the fourth big it might actually be beneficial. like Assuming that there isn't a buyout and he's on the roster, have him as the fourth big and have him build his fourth
1: bigs in the league if he's healthy.
0: And he can build his way up to more minutes because likely as he's continuing to to rehab this nagging injury and whatnot, playing him 25 minutes a night might have a setback. It it might make things worse for him. So if, if he's building up, Kind of the stamina and the ability to play more and more minutes. Maybe he gets to a point where he's rehabbed his value at least to an extent where he feels more confident on the buyout market that he would get a contract a la what happened to Kemba Walker. Um, I, I don't know how this is going to play out. My my assumption is this is going to end in a buyout if I had to guess. But at the end of the day, like, Kevin loves a professional with pride and he's going to want to play. So, as you kind of have to balance that with the three big men that are obviously going to be prioritized over him. But at the same time, as you said, Carter, there is a role for him. There is that fourth uh, big role and on nights that he hasn't, and he's being impactful, he'll play more minutes. I, I think it's uh, it's pretty straightforward the way, from that perspective.
1: Uh, people will hate this take, and I know they're going to hate this take. I don't mind if there's games where he plays more than, than Lori and Evan. I really don't mind if he is, If he's killing it and playing really well, keep Mm -hmm. his ass out there. Best player. If this team is really trying to win, the the players who are playing the best should play the most minutes. Agreed. Um, And that will change on a night-to-night basis. And I don't think there's anything harmful to Evan Mobley's development. If he's having a bad night or the season's starting to wear him down and Kevin goes out and hits three threes when he hops on the floor and makes some amazing connecting passes that gets the offense going – keep him out there like I I am I, I think there's a world in which this season like I feel like and I said this on, on our one of our our more recent pods, but I feel like this the narrative has gotten so dark with this and maybe rightfully so that people are only expecting the worst possible outcome as the only reasonable outcome yeah and yeah I know people are sick of talking about Kevin Love I get it but like the fact of the matter is when he plays well, he's still pretty damn good. And uh, the the idea of him being a helpful player in this team is not so far fetched that we should rule it out entirely uh, out, out of pocket, you know. So I think that is uh, I think that is his best role. I think the most reasonable role is, or the most reasonable outcome is he plays well enough to justify it, to be willing to take a buyout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that is that is probably the most likely outcome is that he gets some minutes he shows he shows a bit he does some there's there's some you know some some discussions with his agent where the agent goes hey you know, i think we can at least get you uh, your money back yeah. uh, that you give up in the buyout and the team decides whether that's worth it for them i mm-hmm. my guess is they will um uh but you know as it currently stands if if reports are to be believed and he is not interested in, in take, giving any money back then they're gonna have to play him and, yeah. and and I hope that he comes in with a good attitude because that's the best way for him. Like the incentives are have not always been aligned between Kevin Love and the organization. Mm-hmm. In this instance, I think they are one yep. Ke- to well, one. Yep. Kevin plays well and Kevin gets out. <laughs> yeah, to to his
0: credit, like the only issues last season were the Toronto thing that was directed at referees and that interview with Haynes, which Like it wasn't a great look, but I don't think it was a massive issue. Like he he was a pretty good locker room presence. Now, the one caveat I'll add to your statement that, hey, there'll be nights where he plays more than Mobley or Laurie or whatever the case may be. I would say I don't want those guys to get pulled for him just for missing shots. Like, I I don't want them to be looking over their shoulder. I I, I think it should be process-based. Like, if they're making the right decisions out there, you will live with misses. You will live with them trying to expand their game. You will live with the growing pains. But if they're out there just jacking up terrible shots, not being impactful, uh, missing rotations, not being in the right spots, that sort of thing, then you can can pull them.
1: Let's reframe this though. It's not about pulling them because they're playing bad. It's giving him more minutes if he's playing well.
0: Yeah. No. And, and I understand and that, that. that is I'm... a
1: hugely, hugely different uh, conversation. You know, mm-hmm. the idea of him being like this, like this looming thing over Evan Mobley's shoulder. That's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is Kevin comes out because he's gonna get 10 to 15 minutes a night no matter what because that's how many minutes are available.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. At at the, at the at that fourth big spot, and if he comes out in the first or second quarter and is and is looking like he's got a pep in his step, hits a couple jump hooks, draws a couple fouls, hits a couple threes, keep him out there. Why not? Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, I, I
0: was just kind of building off the point, just to to make the point that I feel it's really important that. How we allocate those minutes to those three should be process based more than results, especially with someone like Mobley, who is going to have nights where the jumper isn't falling and they're coming up short and and stuff like that. Like, as long as he's taking the right shots and making the right decisions, I'm okay riding that out. And and maybe sometimes that might be at the expense of wins. Uh, Other games, it might get us wins. So you kind of have to have some some trust in the young guys. and, And that's all I was really looking to say there. For sure. All righty. Well, this seems like a great place to wrap it up. Again, massive. Oh, thank we're you out to of
1: questions, all. so I hope so. <laughs>
0: Again, a massive thanks to all our listeners that submitted the questions. Uh, we, we tried to get to all of them. If not, you can add us at Chase Down Podcast, or you can also join our Discord, uh, which, of course, the best way to do that and the only way to do that is by leaving a review on whatever podcast medium you find uh, best and sending it to chasetownpod at gmail.com. If you want to support us, you can leave a review, leave a rating, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. And again, to join the Downs exclusive Discord chat, just send a screenshot of your review to chasetownpod at gmail.com. We really appreciate the support. Basketball and Cavs basketball is right around the corner. Cannot wait. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cavs.